Shall we look to the Lord in prayer once again, even as we are gathered here this morning to spend a few moments in His presence. Let us continue. Have this attitude of worship and praise that our hearts will not wander. Prone to wander, Lord, we feel it. Prone to leave the God we love. Here's our heart, O take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. This morning, Father, we just thank you, Father, for this opportunity, Lord, that you have given to us to come together every day this way. Father, real bad times all around the world. Monumental proportions, a pandemic of monumental, gigantic proportions, beyond human capacity. Father, you're showing us how vulnerable we are. Truly, Lord, your servant was absolutely right when he said, Behold, as for man, his days are as grass. As the flower of the field, so he flourishes. And the wind passes over it and it is gone and the place thereof remembers it no more. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. To such as keep his covenant. And to those who remember his commandments to do them. All flesh is as grass. All the glory of it. The flower of grass. The grass withers, the flower fades. But he who does and the glory of God will abide forever. Father, this morning, I pray, Father, that every one of us, even as we meditate upon your word this morning, I pray, Lord Jesus, Lord, we will seek not the glory that comes from man or comes from this world, but, Lord, the word, the glory that comes from you and you alone. Speak to our hearts, even as we meditate upon your word. Prepare our hearts, O Lord. Let us not be discouraged. Let us not be dismayed. Knowing, Father, that you are the same God yesterday, today, and forever. You will never change. And Lord, we put our trust in you and we want to hide ourselves in the covert of your wings until this plague passes over us, O Lord. We believe, Father, that we all have a purpose. And I pray, Father, we will, we confess, O Lord, we will not die but live, but proclaim the good works of the Lord through our lives and in our lives. And I pray, Father, to that end, you pray, we pray that you would equip us, anoint us this morning, even as we meditate upon your word. For in Jesus' name we pray, Amen. You know, this unbelievable things going on, um, and people are going crazy, especially in India. We know that things are not going to go better. I mean, I really, I mean, I, I was uh, listening to a news webcast in the morning, and this doctor who came on BBC said, at least 20% of India's population could be affected. And we have... Beds for only 100,000. <laughs> we are absolutely ill-equipped. You know, it's so, so, we are so vulnerable as men. We think that we can do anything. But God is teaching us all through this that we are absolutely nothing without Him. So this morning, we want to understand why these things happen. You no, know? Second Timothy chapter 3, and we will read a few verses from Scripture. Second Timothy chapter 3, and let's read from verses 1 to 6. 
1 to 5 actually 1 to 5 second timothy chapter 3 verses 1 to 5 let's read from verse 1 but understand this that in these in the last days there shall be perilous times fierce times it says in matthew chapter 8 verse 28 if you can go there matthew chapter 8 verse 28 and then we'll come back to second timothy it says this is when he had come to the other side, to the country of the Gadarenes. There met him two demon-possessed men coming out of the tombs, exceedingly fierce. That's the word. That's the word. Fierce times will come. Exceedingly fierce. Demonic times will come. Demonic will be at the maximum. So the activity, the demonic activity will be so much. Okay. Exceedingly fierce times. That's what it says. But understand that in the last days, exceedingly fierce times or perilous times or times of incredible stress will come. And that's exactly what is happening all around the world. Times of stress. Okay. Stress on every sector imaginable. That's what we've been hearing all these last few days. Stress, I mean, stress in every front. All human institutions coming to a standstill because they cannot handle anything like this. They haven't, haven't handled anything like this before. So, he says, but understand these. In the last days, fierce times will come or times of incredible difficulty or stressful times will come. And we will, under, we will think why stressful times have come because we are, there is a pandemic. There is a, there is, uh, there is famine. There is economic chaos. There is whatever chaos going on. Is that the reason? Bible says it's something so unbelievably different. The Bible has a different uh, diagnosis as to why this problem has happened. You see, uh, one of the questions that I keep asking people, why, why do people die? Some people say people die because of old age. Some people die because of sickness. Now I'll say you're, you're answering, I mean, you're giving me the wrong answer. I, didn't, I never asked you how people die. I say why people die. You know, Luke's Gospel chapter 13, we remember that. You don't have to turn there. Jesus says, do you think those people who died because of the, uh, the Tower of Siloam were uh, worse sinners than you? I tell you the truth. I mean, unless you all repent, you will likewise perish. And the reason why we die is not because of any other thing, but for sin in our lives. And God is giving us an analysis as to why these times of stress has happened. It is not because of coronavirus. That is the the, the symptoms of a deeper problem. And look at what it says in verse 2 onwards. It says, uh, go to Second Timothy chapter uh, 3. Look at it, what it says. Uh, but know this, in the last days, times of incredible difficulty will come. Why? First he says, the people will be lovers on themselves. I like this word. For men or people will be lovers of themselves. You know, that word, lovers of themselves, is very interesting. It's a lover of self. The love, the guy who loves self-autonomy. Okay. Autonomous beings. They don't want to be dependent upon anybody. You ask any man. One of the things that he says is, I want to be autonomous. I want to be, have, I do, I want to have the, the, um, the ability to make my own decisions and chart my own course in life. Liberty and the pursuit of happiness. You see? Autonomy. Lovers of autonomy. Self-autonomy. Okay. In other words, there are, there are people who do not want to factor in God at all in their lives. That's what it means. 
It's a very interesting word, philio autos <laughs> in Greek. Philio, philio, philio means love, love of uh, uh, a friendly kind of love. Philio autos means the one who loves his self, his autonomy so much, his freedom so much, his independence so much. I've, I've become independent. I want to be independent. I want to be like the most high. That's exactly what Lucifer said. I, you will be like gods. You will know what is good and evil. No, that is essentially the idea. The idea is why do we have stressful times? Because primarily because men have become lovers of self themselves or mean people who want independence. They want to have something independent of God. In other words, they do not want to factor God at all in their lives. That's what it means. Could this be that we have wanted to live our own life? We want to be the God of our own life? Absolutely. Look at what it says in Psalm 14 and verses 1 and 2. I want you to look at it very carefully, okay? Psalm 14, verses 1 and 2. Okay, this, the fool has said in his heart, and everybody read that, there is no God. You know what? The word, there is, if you look at it in your Bible, is in italics. Okay, what does it mean? <laughs> it means that it is not there in the original translation. So let us re- remove that word there is and read it without there is. Let us see what it, how, how does it read. Okay, a fool has said in his heart, no God. Please. Okay, no God. It's not that we don't want to acknowledge, we don't want to acknowledge, we acknowledge a higher being. We, we want to acknowledge a spiritual being, you know. Yesterday, pastor was talking about intimacy without being, I mean, intimate without being intimacy, without intimacy. You know, uh, uh, there was one man of God who went to this bookstore in, 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 in the U.S., okay. A huge bookstore, a general bookstore called Barnes & Noble. It's a very famous bookstore in the U.S., okay. And he was going through this bookstore and he went into the bookstore and he looked at different, different sections in the bookstore. There was this section on the spirituality. On spirituality, and the, and if you look at the spirituality section, there were so many modern authors, okay, who were saying, you know, how to connect with the higher being, how to connect with the to with the with the with the whatever whatever the the, the higher spiritual power, new age philosophies, new age ideas, so many modern authors from different faiths, new age, Hinduism, Buddhism, Christianity, even 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 Islam, so many people talking about how to have this connection with the higher power. Okay, that was the spirituality section. Okay, and then he went to the uh, the theology section. So when he went to the theology section, he found in the theology section, there were not many modern authors. They were the old authors, the Puritans, Jonathan Edwards, and you know, and Spurgeon, and all these modern authors. And he says, he looked at, he looked for any modern authors, not many modern authors, and a few of them. And when he just took their books and he just browsed through them, he said, there's no depth at all over here. So the theology section, he found not many modern people. But in the spirituality section, you saw, you found so many modern authors from different backgrounds. And when he came out of the bookstore, he had a thought in his mind. You know what he said? Isn't it interesting? People want intimacy without responsibility. People want to get intimate, <laughs> but they don't want to be intimacy with God. I, I thought that is the order of this day. That is the spirit of this age. We want to have the pleasures that comes with relationship, but we don't want to, don't want to have the responsibility that comes that comes with the relationship. And God is saying, you know, you made a covenant with me. If we don't want to factor God, we want a God. Yes. We want to have a God, but a God who is a God of our convenience. Psalm 14, look at what it says. Go back to Psalm 14. Yeah, they have, you see, 
the fool has said in his heart, what? No God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none who does good. You see, the moment you have taken away God from your life, they have become corrupt. You see, they have, there is, there is, they have done abominable works. There is none who does good. If you look at that entire chapter, and, and this particular psalm is repeated twice. You can, uh, you can turn to Psalm 53. Please, look at what it says in Psalm 53. Same thing. Okay. See, it's, it's the same thing. It doesn't change. No? The fool has said in his heart, no God. You know, God, but G, G, God says, you know what, this is what I want to do. It is not that you don't believe in God. Not don't believe in God. It's not that you're an atheist per se. Actually, in fact, in these days, there are very few atheists. Atheism, the number of people who are atheists is a small percentage only. Lot of people believe in God. Especially in India, everybody believes in God, right? We have a God. But the point is, there's a God of our own convenience. We do not want God to interfere into our lives. And it says, the reason why perilous times have come and why is this fierce demonic activity that is going on all around the world is simply because people love autonomy. Have you ever seen? You look at this entire world, nobody has factored in God. What has happened to us? Nobody is coming to, um, even very few churches are talking, you know, is, is this because we have forsaken God? Is this because we have forsaken God? Remember that uh, episode in uh, in book of Second Kings when you don't have to turn there. This this uh, this woman comes and tells the king, you know, yesterday we had I had my daughter for, uh, my son for dinner, and we, uh, this she promised that we will have her son for dinner, and today she has taken and taken away her son and she has hid her hid her son and Elish. I mean that the king is tearing his his uh, robes and he's saying it is because of Elisha. He never says it is because it is my problem. They never factor in God. They are all people who are self-autonomous. They are autonomous people. They love autonomy. And the reason when you see all these things, all these epidemic, one of the things that we need to ask ourselves, Lord, am I really, really autonomous? I, do I depend upon you? We looked at that, no? He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Do I really depend upon you? Look at what it says in John's Gospel, chapter 15. Let us read from verses 1 to 6. What an amazing verse it is. I am the true wine. We talked about it yesterday. My father is the wine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Next verse. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. Have you seen branch making, bearing fruits of itself? No, unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me and looks, move on. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I him, I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. It's absolutely nothing. And especially if you're a believer, Baba, God is going to tear out all your strong areas. What you thought were your strong points. <laughs> Ultimately will bring you to a point when you say, Lord, without you I can do nothing. That's exactly what happened to Peter. Peter thought he was an excellent fisherman. He could, I mean, he's got, I mean, he says, Lord, I've messed up. I'm not worthy to be a disciple anymore. And he says, I go fishing and all, all the others say, we also go with you. And that night they caught nothing. So if you're a believer and we are believers, and we haven't factored in God in our lives. God says, 
you can do nothing. And even if you have accomplished something in your life, that is nothing. Even that is nothing. That is going to fail you in the day of your, of your, of your calamity. That is exactly what happened to, he tells Jeremiah, where are the gods that you put your trust in? Let them deliver you when, when the time of calamity has come. You have gone under every green tree and every, every mountain. You have played the harlot and now when you, when the troubled times have come, you are coming to me. Where are your gods? Where did, where are all the lords you put your trust in? Where is your, where is your, uh, trust in your, in your job? Jobs are not there. I don't know how jobs can really continue the way things are going on. People are being laid off left, right and center. You're, you'll, they, pay, they say work from home. After that, they'll keep you permanently in home. Because there'll be no jobs. And God will say. You know, that is a, it's actually an incredible act of mercy of God, from God, that he has allowed this situation to show us all other, the other things that we have put our trust in is absolutely useless in the time of crisis. It will not deliver us. And only he and he alone can deliver. No, this is just a parable. The parable is, what is the parable? Parable is, it's like he's saying, you know what? I'm sh- sending you a physical calamity. The physical calamity is come and you're not able to handle yourself. If a spiritual calamity comes, how? where do you have the resources to handle? What I'm showing you is only a, a, a it's a parable. I'm showing you something. Physical calamity has come with all, I mean, I remember in uh, 2011, uh, March, when the tsunami hit uh, Japan. Now, this is another tsunami. Okay, That's exactly what one of the doctors in BBC was saying. This is a tsunami and it's not a physical tsunami, the tsunami you can't see. At least when you see a tsunami and you see a tsunami is coming, what do you do? You run for your life. And this doctor was saying, you know, this, this is another tsunami which you can't see. Please run for your life. Go and hide, hide yourself in the home. Don't come out. And, 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 and Japan was hit by the tsunami. There was this entire homes which are just being washed away from the, I mean, just being uprooted from their lands and just being taken away like that, no? And they were the, one of the top technology countries in the whole world, top roboticists, the robotic technology. There's none like Japan. And with all the technology, they couldn't help themselves. And God was teaching us all a parable, you see? All the things that you put your trust in, can he deliver you in the day of calamity? You do not factor in God. And in my mercy, I allowed this to happen. Hoping that this parable would lead you to search for me. Look at what it says in Romans chapter 1, verses 21 to 24. Look at what it says, a powerful verse. 21 to 24. Because although they knew God, you see that? It is not that they don't know God. They say, No God. We know God, but we don't know God. No God. N-O-W-K-N-O-W God, but N-O God. We don't want Him in our lives. Okay, because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. All conferences cancelled. The robotics conferences that I used to go to, Nobody wants to come to those conferences conferences anymore. <laughs> the top conferences of the world, nobody wants to come. What has happened to your robotics, Baba? All the money that you pumped into all these artificial intelligence, what has happened to you? What, what can you do? You cannot crack this DNA. Okay, profess, and change the glory of the God to an incorruptible, uh, of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed uh, animals and creeping things. Look at what it is. Verse 24. Therefore God also gave them. It's, you do not factor in God, 
I'm going to have your own, I'm going to allow you to have your own way. Look at verse 25. 25 it says, sorry. As pastor was saying, the technical team is uh, short-staffed and under intense pressure. Okay, so let's read on. Let's look at what it says, verse 25. Who exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed for the, forever. Amen. And then what did God, God do in the next verse? For this reason, it says, verse 20, verse 20. For this reason, God gave them up to wild passions. And verse 28. I love this. And even as they did not seem it fit, in other translations will say, it did not, they did not seem it fit to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them up to a debased mind to do those things which are unfitting, they are filled with unrighteousness, etc, etc. You will have the same list which is mentioned in Second Timothy chapter 3. You will see the same list. Why? The reason why? Because people want to become autonomous beings. All, this is the reason. The lover of self is a people who says, you know what, I want to be in charge of my life. And if you are in charge, you are headed for big trouble. So let me give you a couple of examples from scripture. How do we as believers, you know, uh, uh, take this to heart? Very important. That we never put ourselves in this position where God says, you know, I give give you over to your to your idolatry. That's what it says in Ezekiel, right? If you come to the, come to a prophet with an idol in your, in your heart, I, the Lord, will answer you according to the idol in your heart. I would have deceived that prophet. And that prophet could be a man of God. Notwithstanding the fact, you'll still be deceived because I deceived him. Look at what, look at a couple of examples, okay? Uh, turn to first, uh, first two, uh, first chron- chronicles chapter one, verse 21. First chronicles chapter one, verse, sorry, chapter 21, verse one. First Chronicles chapter 21 and verse 1 onwards. Let's see. Look at what it says. Now state, now this is First Chronicles chapter 21 verse 1. Now Satan stood up against Israel and moved David to number Israel. What does it say? Satan stood up against Israel and moved David to number Israel. Now, let, let us compare scripture with scripture. To go to 2 Samuel chapter 24. <laughs> this is going to be interesting. <laughs> and verses 1 and 2. Okay, let us see, everybody. And the anger of the Lord was aroused against Israel and he moved David to number Israel. Okay. So Satan withstood and provoked David to number. The anger of the Lord, now which is true? Both are true. I'll tell you who. God said, I looked at Israel. Now David, no, don't, don't, don't think that David is sinning over here. No, it's, it, this is much, much later after the Bathsheba episode, okay? Now David is a man after God's own heart. He was a righteous king. But God was not just looking at the head. He was looking at his people. And he looked at his people and he said, okay, they have a righteous king. But how long will you hide under the righteousness of a king? You should have your own righteousness. You fellows are not as righteous as your king. And he says, okay, fine. What I'm going to do is, I'm going to rouse against... So, God was angry and he allowed allowed Satan. That's the point here. Okay, God was angry and allowed Satan. Let me give another example. Fantastic. Deuteronomy chapter 1. Verses 21 to 23. Sorry, 21 to 23, yes. Deuteronomy chapter 1, verses 21 to 23. Keep your 
Fingers over there and I'll show you another verse. Deuteronomy chapter 1 verses 21 to 23. Look, the Lord your God has set the land before you. Go up and possess it as the Lord God of your fathers has spoken to you. Do not fear or be discouraged. Now this is, this is Moses when he brought, it was, this is Deuteronomy, okay? He's telling the history of Israel, what had happened to the previous generation. All the generation came, came until that point near Til Kadesh Burnia. I mean, uh, to the point where they could see, uh, the promised land and all the people came and he said, go and possess the land, okay? Go and possess the land. Okay, look at what it says. And verse 22, look at what, look at this, this is interesting. And every one of you came near to me and said, what did he say? Let us send men before us and let them search out the land for us and bring back word to us of the way by which we should go up and of the cities into which we shall come. And the next verse, and the plan pleased me well. So I took 12 of your men, one from each tribe. So who, who came? All the men came and said, please send. Let us 12, let us choose 12 men. And let's go there. Now turn to Numbers chapter 13, verses 1 to 3. That is interesting now. <laughs> Look at this. Everybody, this is fabulous, okay. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel. From each tribe of the fathers you shall send a man, everyone a leader among them. Which happened first? Uh-huh. Now think about it. Out of the 12 people, who are the people, who, who are the people of faith? Two. Ten were unbelievers. Now, did not God know that these people were going to bring out, bring back a bad report? So did he really want that to happen to his people? No, I don't know. But you see, he said, the, the people came and said, you know what? Let us send out. God said, okay, fine. Go. You will not trust me, right? Go. You don't want me. You don't trust me. You don't want to factor me in your life. See, I'm telling you something. You know, one of the lessons you need to understand is the way of the unfaithful is hard. What did I say? The way of the unfaithful is hard. It is hard life to to live a life without God. I did not say that. The scriptures itself says, Proverbs chapter 13 verse 15. Look at what it says in the, in the Bible. Proverbs chapter 13 verse 15. Good understanding gains favor, but the way of the unfaithful is hard. My dear brothers and sisters, let me tell you, you do not factor in God. It is hard life. It's tough. God is not there with you. See, many people think that Joseph had a hard life. Let me tell you something. God was with Joseph. He was prospering. He had Tough life because he had to deal with his flesh. But as far as, he had, he was comfortable. It was not really difficult for him because God was with him. You see? If God is there, it doesn't matter how little you have and how difficult the circumstances may be. If God is there on your side, it is not very hard. But on the other hand, you might have everything but not have God. Boy, it is hard life. The way of the unfaithful is hard. So question is, do we really factor in God in everything that we do? Let me give you another example. James chapter 4. James chapter 4 verses 13 to 17. Look at what it says in James chapter 4 verse 13 to 17. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell and make a profit. Oh, a lot of people thought that they'll do it. 
let us go to china <laughs> let us go to vietnam let us go to uh, what is that oh, no because you know east is the place where it is now booming a lot no let us go to all these far east places and make a profit for ourselves okay many are going to and fro knowledge has increased things have become more and more you know interconnected economies have become interconnected some there's a youtube channel i mean if you are a, if you you can literally sit at home and be a youtuber and make money who where is youtube youtube is somewhere in the us and they you can make money in india how the things have changed and he says today tomorrow we will go to such and such place spend a year there buy and sell and make profit and verse 14 whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow you have not factored me and he says for what is your life it is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away wow it is a vapor. Have you seen vapor? Coffee ka vapor, no? You make coffee. Sam makes excellent coffee. I've recognized, I've realized it after we came back to the church office. He's become our official coffee, coffee maker, okay? And you take that hot coffee and you see the fumes coming up. How just, just vapor disappears like that. Psalm 90, please. I love this psalm. Verses one onwards. Psalm 90. Look at what it says. And we'll come back to James. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Look at what is what, what Moses is saying. Lord, we wanted to. You have been our habitation for all. You, we wanted to. We, see, Israel had no identity other unless and until we were inside of you. You have been our dwelling place. You have been our habitation. Okay, that's what Psalm 91 says, right? Because you have made the Lord the most high your habitation. Hmm. And Jude will say, the angels which did not keep their first habitation. See, that was your habitation. That was a place where you were supposed to be successful and it was there in my, in me. And you know what Moses says? Lord, you have been our habitation for all generations before the mountains. That's exactly what, you know, what, what, what you and I as believers are. Right? It says in Ephesians, he has chosen us in him when, even before the foundations of the earth were laid, he has chosen us in Christ. We were supposed to be found in him. We were supposed to dwell in Christ. He was supposed to be our dwelling places even before the foundations of the world were laid. And that's exactly what Moses was, was confessing. He says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place to in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or you and you had ever formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you were God. Next verse. You turn to man to destruction and say, return O children of men. And he says, for a thousand in years in your sight are like yesterday. It is a, it is passed like a watch in the night. Next verse. You carry them like a flood. They are like a sleep in the morning. They are like grass which grows up in the morning. It flourishes, grows up in the evening. It is cut down and with us. He says, how, how vulnerable we as humans are. And look, look at the next verse. For you have been consumed, for we have been consumed by your anger and by your wrath we have been terrified. You have set our iniquities before you. Our secret sins in the light of your countenance. For all your, for all our days have passed away in your wrath. We finish our years like a sigh. Everybody do a sigh. It's over. Finished. Look at what it says. The days of our lives are 70 years. If our reason of strength, 80 years. Yet their boast is only labor and sorry, sorrow. For it is soon, soon cut off. And we fly away. Next verse. Teach us to number our days. You see, go back to James. James chapter 4, verses 13 and 17. 13 to 17. Whereas you do not know. 
It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Next verse. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, please factor in God in your lives. If the Lord wills. Have you chosen the will of God for your lives? Do you know the will of God? How will you know the will of God? First, this is the will of God, your sanctification. That you should keep yourself from sexual immorality. That means you should have a life of absolute separation. This is the will of God to give thanks in Christ Jesus always. And then you will start proving what is the right, good, acceptable and the, sorry, the good, accept, uh, perfect and acceptable and the perfect will of God. That is, that is, that is a progressive thing. If the Lord wills, we shall live and do this. Lot and Abraham, right? What an amazing example. You make the first choice. Abraham says, tells to Lot. And you know what Lot should have said? Uncle, I don't have so much of wisdom. Can you make a choice for me? What a different life it would have been, no? First of all, I don't even want to go away from your presence. Isn't it amazing? That you want to, the, oh, there are only two righteous people. And who's more righteous than the other? Abraham. And you want to leave the presence of the more righteous man. And you think that you'll be better. And where are you going? To a better, more godly place? More anointed place? Think about it. How people make choices in their lives. You, they leave a particular place. Fantastic, no point. And nobody stopping anybody from leaving any particular place. The question is, whenever you are moving from one place to the other, are you going to a place which is more anointed? Where God's presence, you sense it more? Think about that. So many people have made choices in all these years. They've come out of teaching. they made their choices. The question they need to ask themselves is, have they made their choice? And when they made a choice, have they gone to a better place or have they gone down spiritually? And if you're going to a better place, you know what? I will be the first person to take you in my car and drop you to the place. They're not going to keep you. We'll be happy for you. But the problem is, people don't want to factor in God. They want autonomy. <laughs> there is no autonomy, Baba. Without God, we can do nothing. We are nothing. And the way of the unrighteous, unfaithful, even though it feels like it is absolutely good for Lot, oh boy, he was prospering left, right and center and there was a warning in his life. The first warning was five kings came and they they, they destroyed, they fought with with, uh, Sodom in their own territory. It's come, I told you, right, it's like India going to Australia and beating them in their own backyard. Or Australia coming to India and thrashing all our spinners. Some people are laughing. That's exactly what happened. No? One Australian team came and they thrashed the daylights out of all our ballers. And they, they won our test series and they went back home. That's exactly what happened to the kings of Sodom. The people from outside came and they beat Sodom in their own land. Why? Sodom people are never used to warfare. What is the iniquity of Sodom? Fullness of bread and abundance of idleness and they have not strengthened this need of, this, the hand of the needy. Where is fight? Where is war over their lives, Baba? Where can you handle, where can you handle stressful times when you have not been trained by God? Whereas you have 315 trained soldiers in the household of Abraham. Trained by his own household. Because if you want to be in the promised land and if you want to continuously accept, uh, uh, have your dwelling place in the promised land, it is warfare. And you don't want that. And there was a warning. Abraham the Hebrew came and rescued you. 
One man against five kings. Does it not Deuteronomy say, if it were, unless the Lord was with them, it was impossible when, for one man to, one man to slay a thousand people? That means what? Lord? Is the Lord with you? No. Is God with Abraham? Yes. What should you, what should you be, be your choice? Leave Sodom? Go back with your uncle? But no, 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 no. No, 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 no. Go back to Sodom. Continue your life there. Ultimately everything is destroyed. You know why? Because you have not factored God into your life. You want autonomy. If I be with Abraham every day morning, you will say prayer. If you come to GTC every day, now we are, we are putting live streaming and now nobody can stop you from preaching for more than two hours. Bah! Who can handle this teaching? Boss, factor in God, my dear brothers and sisters. See, that is autonomy. Lovers of self. What is that? People who love autonomy. Do you like, like, like your autonomy? My goodness, if you are a person who likes your autonomy, you are an autonomous robot. It's a foolish, the most idiotic thing is an autonomous robot. You know that, right? You know, we, we create robots in our own image. <laughs> autonomous robots, artificial intelligence, cognitive science. You see, Autonomous beings. No, 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 no. There's no autonomy for us apart from God. There's no autonomy. That is the reason why, you know what Paul tells those people in Greece, you, oh, brilliant philosophers, quote unquote, dum-dums, in other words, he was thinking in his mind. In him, we live and move and have our being. What are you talking about autonomous? Autonomy. Genesis chapter 11, verse 1 and 2. Now the whole earth had one language and had one speech. Actually, let's read uh, from verses 1 to f- 1 onwards, okay? Please, the whole chapter, if you don't mind. 1 to 5, maybe, yeah? Genesis 11, 1 to 5, yeah? Okay, okay, 1 to 5. Now the whole earth had one language and one speech, and it came to pass as they journeyed from the east. They found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. And look at it. Then they said one to another, come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They had brick for stone. They had asphalt for mortar. Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is into the heavens. Let us make a name for our, ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. And now you know what people are doing? They all wanted to become one. God says, Baba, I'll send one virus. I'll scatter the whole fellows. Now, confusion everywhere. Nobody come to our country now, please. You know why? Without God, you want to make a name for yourself. One language. One speech. Genesis chapter 12. Look at that. What it says in verses 1 onwards again. 1 to 5. 1 to 6. Now the Lord said to Abraham, Get out of your country. From your family and from your father's house to a land where I will show you. Look at this. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. And next. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse them, curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families in the world will be blessed. You know what? One set of people who said, you know what? We want to make a name for ourselves. And God said, I will scatter you. 
know what God does now? He separates one man out of his kindred and says, I will make your name. One people, they want to make a name for themselves. They want to build a city. And God says, I want to name, make your name great. I want to first build your family. I want to build your home. Genesis chapter 24, verses 1 and 2. I love this verse. 25 or 24? Yeah, yes. Lord. Now Abraham was old, well advanced in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in, in all things. Kya baat hai? Every area of his life. Facet. Finances, blessed. Did he choose them? Did he run after finances? No. Servants, every area of his life, God blessed. You know why? Because there was only one thing that that was the most important thing in his life, factoring God in his life. Putting God into every decision that he made. Of course, he learned from his mistakes too. Whenever he made a decision without God, God rebuked him. God chastised him. But there's one thing in Abraham, you can never, ever, ever remove that from him. A man who always had an altar and who had a connection with God. He factored in God in every area of his life. The first reason why perilous times come is because people are lovers of self or lovers of autonomy. Second, people are lovers of money. You see? You know, the, uh, the original KJV uses the word covetous. <laughs> okay. Actually, it's a, a phil- philo of money. Money is a word in Greek, of which I forgot. Philo money. Okay. Philo means a filio money. The guy has a friendly relationship with money. <laughs> he considered it as a friend. <laughs> money, yes. What a friend we have in money. Lovers of money. No, think, no, let me tell you something. It is not that you're unrighteous with money matters. You could be a very righteous man. You could be paying your taxes. Okay, you could be paying your taxes, you may be working hard to earn your living. I'm not saying that it is necessary that you are earning money in the wrong way. No, 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 please don't. That, that is not what, I'm not talk, targeting uh, that kind of an audience, hopefully. You pay your taxes, you earn your money the right way. Okay, you're very, very, very nishtagarishta. Uh, Nishtagarishta means uh, a person who is absolutely straightforward when it comes to whom, how much I owe, how much people owe me, both. Some people know how much people owe, they owe them. They forget completely how much they owe people. Okay, but you are not that kind of a person. You're, 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 you're a person who is righteous in that sense, but there's one thing problem with you. Turn to Luke's Gospel chapter 16. Ah, exactly. Luke's Gospel chapter 16. Let us read from verses uh, 8 onwards. Sam. Okay, this is about the unrighteous steward. Okay. Eight onwards. So the master commended the unjust steward. You know what the unjust steward said? Okay. The master was a rich man. There was a steward. To give you the story, this steward was unrighteous with money. The master said, you know what? Let me do one thing. I heard that you are unrighteous. I want you to give an account. So he called all the creditors of the master. And he said, how much do you owe? He said, 100. Write 50. Take a new receipt, write 50. How much do you owe? How many bags of oil? 25 bags of oil. Write 10. Etc. Etc. So he just changed the whole, you know, balance sheet. <laughs> and the master came to know about it, and he commented the unjust. Word. Why did the unjust steward did do this? He said, you know what? To beg, I'm ashamed. To work hard, I can't. 
But if my masters kicks me out, these fellows will accept me and he said, because you showed me a favor, we will, you know, give you some kind of a job and we will treat you. Or maybe I'll make you our, I will, we will make you our CA. <laughs> Hundred accountant because you are fantastic with the accounts. Okay, so he, he 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 calculated the whole thing and look at what the master said. The master said, you know what, this unjust steward is fantastic, Baba. He's a brilliant fellow. He's commending him. And he's saying, the unjust steward, because he has dealt shrewdly, and he says, For the sons of this world are shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. He's talking, he's taking this negative parable to teach us sons of light a lesson. He's saying, it is just not that you should be righteous with money matters, but how much of your money have you invested into the kingdom of God? I mean, that is the reason why Paul says to, about the Thessalonians, turn to 2 Corinthians, please. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Just a minute, let me just find that verse. I forgot to write that. Yeah, Second Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 to 5. Look at what it says. 8, 8, Sam, 1 to 5. Second Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 to 5. Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, that in a great trial of affliction, their ab- the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty. Bah! Abundance of joy, deep poverty. Great affliction abounded in the riches of their liberality. Look at what it says. Next verse. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, beyond their ability, they were they were freely willing, imploring us with much urgency that we should receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And next verse. And not only as we hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. You know what he's saying? This Macedonians, Baba, you think that they are, they were, they had no financial issues in their life. They had incredible financial issues. But you know what? They learned the lesson of Isaac. Of Isaac. You know what the lesson of Isaac was? The lesson of Isaac was in famine you sow. That was just a parable. But how do we, as in the church, apply that parable? Because in famine we give. We don't hold. Why? Because we know that God is no man's debtor first thing. Second, he says, if you give to me, you are actually giving me a credit. I'll pay you back with interest. Baba, you think we, people think that we are idiots when we give to God. How can you give like that? Are you don't know, eh? The, the mathematics that I have in my mind, I'm actually more smarter than you. It is not because I'm uh, better than you. I'm more liberal than you. I have a noble, nobler heart than you. I have a calculative mind than you. I know that when I give to God, He's going to come back to me in a different way altogether. And He'll come back to me. And you know what? I may not need money, but I need grace to overcome sin. Yes, I may need money too. And God will come through. And what am I doing? I'm storing for myself riches in heaven. What is the riches in heaven? It is not moth. It is souls. I'm investing in the people of God, in the kingdom of God. I'm interested in the kingdom of God. Let's go back to Luke's gospel chapter 16. Look at what it says. Verse 15 onwards. Uh, so, sorry, verse 14 onwards now. 
Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Go back, go back, go back, go back, go back, go back. Sorry, Sam, verse 10 onwards. Okay. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. He who is faithful in, who is unjust in what is least is also unjust in much. Now what is faithful in least, what is least referring to over here? Money. And he says, therefore if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon who will come to you, True, to your trust, the true riches, of course. The next verse. And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will love loyal, loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Let's go on. Now the Pharisees who were lovers of money. You see, the Pharisees, when it comes, you Pharisee, you know the Pharisee of Pharisees, Paul. If you want to know, know the epitome of a Pharisee, the highest form of a Pharisee, look at Paul. Righteousness according to the law? Blameless. That is Pharisee. That means, even Luke's Gospel chapter, you don't have to turn there, even the tithe, he will tithe this mint and cumin and everything he will tithe. That means, he is very, very, very good with his accounts. He's absolutely righteous. The problem is this. Your lover of money also heard these things and they derided him. And he said to them, you are those who justify yourselves before men. But what? Who knows? Who knows your heart? God knows your heart for what is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. It's a very important thing for God. Hebrews chapter 13, verses 5 to 6. Look at what he says. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things you have. For he himself said what? I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man can do to me. What is man? That means I don't have to justify. I don't have to act before man. I don't have to act. Before man, I don't have to pretend before man. And everything that God gives me, whatever the world calls, they they can call me foolish, but I will invest into the kingdom of God. You know why? Because when I do it, just like the unjust steward was invited into the people whom he helped, those people, when I reach into the everlasting dwelling places, I will have a rich welcome. Look at what it says in First Peter, Second Peter chapter two. Second Peter chapter two, please. Second Peter chapter one, not chapter two. Second Peter chapter one. Second Peter chapter 1, and let me tell you the exact verse. Verse 10 and 11. Okay. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so, what? Our entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Completely free from covetousness. And therefore, he says, how do we, how do we as believers work? It's very important. That we are not lovers of money. We are not, we are not working for money. We are working so that we can be a blessing. Look at what it says in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 28 and 29. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 28 and 29. <sighs> Let him who st- stole, steal no longer. But rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, not what is evil. Okay. Don't own a liquor shop. In other words. Okay. No, because I know, I know believers who own liquor shops. And they also do cottage meetings. During Lent. 
Yeah, Jesus whines and Jesus speaks. It's really interesting. I mean, I, we had Lent season when, when we had one of the elders in our previous church. I don't want to name, mention his name. Rishi, if you're watching, you know him. <laughs> he came to our place for cottage meeting. And then uh, we were having, we were singing all those Andhra Kristava Kirtanala. We were going crazy with all the lentil spirit in our, in, uh, in our minds and in our hearts, so to speak. And that man was saying, Baba, your sons, they sing the song so well. And my father asked, okay, brother, so uh, what do you do? He said, I'm into the liquor business. I said, oh, you can be into the liquor business and also be a leader. Oh, I do my liquor business very faithfully. I pay my excess duty and my customs and my taxes also. And spoil people's lives also. You see, what is good that he may have something to give him who has no, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. Stop there. See that? The whole idea is to be a blessing. Not be a lover of money. First, therefore, why do we have perilous times? First thing, because people love autonomy. Second, people love money. They love money because they love autonomy. Simple. You understand that? They want to be autonomous beings and only one thing which can give autonomy in this world is what? Money. My pass gadi hai, bank balance hai, sab kuch hai. Tere pass kya hai? Mere pass yeshu hai. <laughs> you see that? Okay, that's first, that is first thing. First two things we looked at. And the third thing is the word, it says, people are proud. You know, this word proud here in this particular place, it's a very interesting word, which actually means empty people acting as if they have everything. That's what it means. Empty people acting as if they have everything. Okay, do you have ESV in your Bible? Okay, so let us put two translations, okay? ESV translations, Proverbs chapter 13 verse 7. And ESV and also the uh, uh, KJV, okay? Look at what it says. <laughs> let us read it together, everybody. Word is here. Okay, one pretends to be rich, yet he has nothing. On the other hand, another pretends to be poor, yet has... Wow! What a proverb! One pretends to be rich and he has nothing. One pretends to be poor, but he has everything. You know what God is actually saying? I'll put this two together. Let's look at KJV also. In KJV. Okay. There is one who makes himself rich and has nothing. On the other hand, there's another one who makes himself poor, but has everything. Now tell me who was the one who made himself poor. Ah. On the other hand, there was one guy who said, who made himself rich. You know what God says? That is pretense. That's actually pretense. In fact, he comes to you and he says, you know, you have, you have become poor because you have given so much of ever to the kingdom of God. Your current situation is still a pretense. You know that? Rich man and Lazarus. Rich man. is. <laughs> Feeding himself sumptuously from his table. And Lazarus is waiting for the garbage collector. The person who is going to collect all the garbage and throw it out. Think about this. No? Lazarus never begged though. Okay, He only used the wasted food. Okay, I think I don't think he begged. And the other thing, there was 
he didn't have even anybody to comfort him. The dogs used to come and lick his wounds. He had a friend called Tommy. Are Tommy it's just imagine that, no? <laughs> no? And, you know, but he had God. Think about it. You know what God was telling even Lazarus? Lazarus, you think that this is your vastav? No, no, no. This is just a pretense. You might have become like this because you have given away everything for the Lord. And nobody is coming. You are like possibly Job, you know. Full boils all over your body and you have to use that scraper to scrape all your wounds. And somebody would come and say, curse God and die. But you say, no, 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 no. It's a pretense. You made yourself rich, but you are pretending. You are nothing actually. <laughs> look at look at what it says about this great man called, uh, uh, what's his name? Solomon. Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 1 verses 12 to 12 onwards, 12 to 18. This guy made himself something very interesting. Chapter 1. I, the preacher, was king over Israel and Jerusalem. I set my heart to seek and search out by wisdom concerning all the things that are done under heaven. This burdensome task God has given to the sons of men by which they may be exercised. I have seen all the works that are done under the sun and indeed all vanity and grasping of the wind. What is crooked cannot be made straight and what is lacking cannot be numbered. I commune with my heart saying, look, I have attained greatness and I have gained more wisdom. I have made myself rich. Then all that were before me in Jerusalem, my heart has understood great wisdom and knowledge and I set my heart to know wisdom, to know madness and folly and I perceive this is also grasping after the wind. It's absolute empty. With Because you know why? I made myself rich. There's one guy who makes himself poor and has, and yet has great wealth and great riches. On the other hand, there's another person who makes himself rich but has nothing. Question to all of us, do we have this to desire and the lust? You know, you know what uh, Jeremiah tells Baruch? Do you aspire to attain great things for yourself? Please, no, 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 no. Don't seek after them. Sorry. Great things for yourself. Remain a simple, humble fellow. You know, this should be our principle. Proverbs chapter 30. I love this. One of those famous proverbs of Agur, verses 7 to 8, to 7 to 9. Proverbs chapter Two things I request of you. Deprive me not before I die. Remove falsehood and lies from me. First thing, he said, take away all which is vanity from my life. Remove that. And the only way you can remove falsehood from your life is by coming under teaching. Give me neither poverty nor Riches. Feed me with the food allotted for me. Okay, there's a specific food that is allotted for you. Even though you have a spread, like uh, Sister Apu was making for all of us. What a spread she made for all of us. There's a food which is allotted for, allotted for you. Okay. That I, so, yesterday I had a fantastic meal. I said, Dil bar gaya, par pet nahi bara. I mean, pet bar gaya, par dil nahi bara. Okay. So, there's a food which is allotted for you. Don't eat more than that. Okay, then move on. Lest I be full and deny you and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and profane the name of God. Let this be our prayer. Empty. If we make, try to make ourselves rich. 
so many things we can look at. But I want to look at another thing. Let's go to Second Corinthians. Uh, sorry, Second Timothy chapter three, <clears throat> chapter two, and verse two onwards. And the things which you have heard from no 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 yeah second chapter three sorry chapter three, second second Timothy chapter three verses two onwards chapter three verse two onwards sorry chapter three bro for men will be lovers of themselves lovers of money boasters that's what was empty proud blasphemous disobedient to parents unthankful unholy I just want to look at this one blasphemous turn to second Peter chapter two. Verses 11 and 12. So many things we looked at. I just want to, I'm just touching upon a few things. Um, chapter 2. Whereas angels who are greater in power and might do not bring a reviling accusation against them before the Lord. But these like natural brute beasts have to be caught and destroyed. Speak evil of things. They do not understand. That is what it means to be blasphemers. And will utterly perish in their own corruption. You know what it means to be blasphemers? You know, I'll tell you what it means. You you don't understand the demonic at all. You know, you'll always be looking for natural solutions for your problems. You don't understand that there are spiritual implications to problems. Even although there are so many problems which are natural. You don't understand that there is incredibly a demonic, what you call a conspiracy behind everything. You don't factor in the spiritual. So many things which, can, which, which we can say, but if you look at this entire episode that Paul is talking about, he puts two things, uh, two things in the, in the beginning and one thing in the, uh, two things in the last. And in, the, in between, you have all these other characteristics. Two things is, first you're a lover of self and you're a lover of money. How does it end now? Let, let's go to verse four of second Timothy chapter three. <clears throat> Unloving Unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutus, br- brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty. And what does it say? Lovers of pleasure, then lovers of God. First, they are lovers of self. Second, they are lovers of money. Third thing, they are lovers of pleasure. You see, that is an incredible depravity of the human heart. That even calamities will not change you. I was reading this, um, I mean, I was not reading, I was listening to this man of God who was talking about uh, Eli Wiesel. Eli Wiesel was uh, this, um, uh, one of those Holocaust survivors who was invited to the uh, to the State of the Union address, I think sometime back when President Trump or some other president was giving the State of the Union address. He was one of the Holocaust survivors, a Jew from, if I'm right, from Poland. Poland. So the Nazis uh, were invading one city after the other, one country after the other and, you know, sending all the Jews. They wanted to exterminate the Jews and they wanted to send them to the concentration camps. And there was this final stronghold uh, of the Jews. They've destroyed all the Jews in all the other places and Poland was a, a, apparently a Poland or some of the place where Eli Wiesel was from was the last. So the Jews in that place, they said, you know, it's not going to happen to us. You know, I think it happened to the Jews in Germany. You know, we're like, you know, uh, it happened to the people in China. Corona came to China. We are in a hot country. It will not come to us. You know, it happened in Europe uh, because each, uh, Europe had a close relationship with China. It's not going to come to us. It's not, it's not going to come to us. Not gonna, we are like, you know, Jews are like Indians, perennial optimists. It's not going to come to us, it's not going to come to us until 
Hitler was losing the war, but he had this one demonic agenda. He wanted to exterminate the Jews. And the last stronghold, if you will, was the, the Jewish stronghold in Poland. And they said, it's not going to come to us, it's not going to harm to us, until the SS soldiers invaded Poland. And that day, in one day, they took all the Jews, they came to Eli Wiesel's, uh, Wiesel's uh, hometown, they captured all of them, and you know, all these people said, okay, fine, okay, they took out some of their clothing, some of their gold, and they went to their backyards, they dug up the, the backyards, put their gold, thinking and hoping that they'll come back to their homes and bring the gold back from those places, no? They hid all this thing, hoping that they will come back, but you know, they didn't understand and realize that, was a, that it was their last journey, and they were put in this, uh, in this train, which was going to Auschwitz, packed with people all kinds of people, children, women, youngsters, old people, packed, all Jews packed, sending, being sent on their last journey to Auschwitz. And Eli Wiesel was possibly a teenager during those days. And there was human feces all around. Okay, Stench, cold, absolutely. It was one of the most horrifying experiences for him. It was a traumatic experience for him as a child. And you know what he says? People are going to their deaths. And teenagers and youngsters, they were fornicating right in public because they wanted to get the last experience of pleasure before they die. I mean, it's stunning. Stunning. Last experience of pleasure. Before the time. You know, that's exactly what coronavirus is doing now. What are people doing? Okay, fine, I have, I have all the supplies for one month. Okay, I may die, I don't know. I'll die watching Netflix. But I will not die seeking God. Netflix subscriptions have skyrocketed. Wow. Look at people. You know what? They're not going. Is this not a parable? For all of us? Why have perilous times come? Simply because God is saying you are lovers of pleasure than lovers of God. Pleasure is your God. Entertainment is your God. That is the reason why I... I really like the pulpit in our church. We have refused to entertain people. It's not that we were pleasure killers. No. We were challenging you. Find pleasures in God. Because at his right hand is pleasures forevermore. Think about it. How can the kind of, uh, the kind of interchanges we have as brothers. What fun we have as brothers discussing about God. What edifying conversations we have. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. Don't, don't we say that? We want to be with God's people. I was glad, very glad when they said, let us go into the house of God. And Jerusalem, that is where my heart is. That is a place where, where protection is. And that is where I really, truly enjoy God. Look at what it says in Second Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 and 2. Look at what it says. I want to show you something very interesting. Look, Second Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 and 2. <clears throat> Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia that in great trial of affliction, they had what? 
joy in the time of affliction, what kind of pleasure was that? You know, that is pleasure. That is joy. We sing that song, the joy that I have, the world didn't really. Do you enjoy God? Pleasure madness. Entertainment madness. Viler and viler. Look at the number of movies on Netflix. Garbage from the pits of hell. They can just, while over your time, you can be watching the last moment, watching the movie and die of an earthquake. 25 movies before I die. Bucket list, they call it. Number of movies I should watch before I kick the bucket, in other words. Why? Lovers of pleasure. Then lovers of God. Why are these things happening? Simply God is showing all of us. You know what? Have you seen the number of subscriptions for internet increasing? People watching movies on Prime Video and watching Netflix. Don't you see? Don't you see? This is exactly the reason why I have sent this pandemic to show you in your heart that you are lovers of pleasure. That you want to die with a pandemic with Netflix in your ICU with Netflix with television there. You know, I don't know why they put the television in the ICU. Just before you die, watch this movie and die. <laughs> Look and live, God says. Watch and die, says the world. Look at that. Lovers of pleasure. They're lovers of God. You see? You know something? There's a challenge for all of us, all of us as Christians. That we should show the world, you know what? Boy, loving God is more pleasurable. What are you talking about? Your movie, Baba. Your movie which is going to make you feel empty by the end of the day. My God also gonna, is going to make me feel empty, but He will fill me and He will make space and fill me more. That is my God. Because He has set where? What in my heart? Eternity. Lovers of pleasure. Then lovers of God. What does, therefore, it brings us to a point. It's a challenge for all of us. Turn to sorry, Hebrews chapter 11 verses 24 to 27. 24 to 27. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, I hope we are people who have come of age, my dear brothers and sisters. And I hope through this time, this pandemic goes, we all are people who have come of age. What is being, what is, what is the meaning of being come of age? Beta banda bangya, in other words. Banda bangya. Okay. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused. Kya baat hai? To be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Why? Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God. You know why? He also had the Macedonian affliction. Great affliction, but tremendous joy. You know why? People of God than to enjoy the passing pleasure of sin. You know what he said? Choosing affliction is fantastic. You do not, you do not know. You come and enjoy. Paul is saying, Baba, these chains, I'm a, I've become an ambassador in chains. If, I mean, he's looking at it in a completely different perspective. People are chained to me. Only two things can happen. That moment they're entering into eternity with God or they're going to hell. Extremely fertile man in terms of spiritual progeny. Onesimus enters into prison. Bad for him or good for him, we don't know. Immediately he becomes a believer. Simple. You cha- you are chained with Paul, boss. Something is going to happen to you. 
and he looks at that excitement boy i'm going to take this fellow to eternity with me i'm going to enjoy this guy with me i mean and in eternity all my life that is pleasure joy forever at your right hand and we are in his right hand right don't be like ruben who lost his first uh bond rights why did he lose his first bond rights there was a tremendous problem with ruben what was the problem with ruben first thing pleasure lust of the world lust lust of the eyes lust of the flesh lust of the eyes and the pride of life what is lust of the uh, lust of the flesh he has slept with his father's concubine pleasure second lust of the eyes this place this side of jordan what does it have is good for my cattle grass my ministries are called grass ministries gaddi ministries that's what one of the man of god says no gaddi ministry it's very very good for me we don't want to come onto the other side baba please 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 spare us fight and war this thing about promised land and uh, fighting for a promised land no 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 we'll do one thing okay we'll come and fight we'll come back here our heart is here not in the promised land we will give our tithes and offerings but leave us alone okay please leave us alone last of the fish slept with this father concubine second last of the eyes he looked at all this land and those are the first people who get affected you will read the chronicles not of narnia but of the kings of israel the first people to get affected get uh, get uh, get uh, attacked were the gadarenes and the Dan- uh, was rubenites the gadites and the half the tribe of manasseh he don't want anything of the other side baba please we had enough of this promised land okay our people will go okay fine because you are a headache you are causing if you don't go it will be sin and your sin will be found will be found out okay, okay we'll, we'll go we'll fight our war but our heart is here baba our heart is here lust of the flesh lust of the eyes and the what is the third one pride of life what is the pride i'll tell you kora datan abiram who are datan and abiram from which tribe Reuben. Oh, you think you are the only person who's holy? I learned this from my from my ex-professor. No, the problem with Reuben is this: lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. You are, and what happened? These are the only people. Enoch and Elijah were the only people who are taken up to heaven alive. These will be the only people who will be taken up to hell alive. Hell opened up and swallowed them. Taken up to hell, alive. Taken down to hell, not up. Taken down to hell, alive. Lovers of pleasure and lovers of God. So, what should we do? Therefore, what should be our attitude? in order for us to prepare ourselves during this incredible time of crisis that the world is facing what should be the attitude of we as a church look at what let's second second timothy chapter 3 it will give us a will give us a uh, the solution for this problem chapter 3 verse 10 onwards bro <clears throat> but ah ha, 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 i love this everybody you know this is fantastic okay let us look at but you have carefully followed my our doctrine is also called teaching kya baat hai what does jerusalem mean si- si- teaching of peace ah. 
I have carefully followed your my teaching. Have you seen my teaching? He's saying, Paul, Paul is telling Timothy, have you meditated how I taught you? From house to house, with tears, line upon line. Have you read in other words, he was telling you, did you read my letter to the Romans? I hope you read it. To the Galatians? To the Thessalonians? I think the parchments are with you, right? Please bring them, okay? <laughs> all the parchments. <laughs> when you come to be to visit me in prison, I think all the copies are with you. You have taken from my library, bring it back. You have carefully followed my teaching. First thing is what? Teaching. That is the reason why we are we are coming here. Why are we coming for teaching? Because we don't want to be like the rest of the world. We are we are spending time, notwithstanding the fact that we may be very few in number. As a church, I don't know how many people are really interested. Think about how many, I mean, I'm not, I'm not boasting us as a church. How many churches really, really, really think that teaching is the need of the hour? Exhortation is the need of the hour. If carefully followed my teaching, Romans chapter 6 verse 17 and 18. Actually, 17 is enough. One of my favorite verses. But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of teaching that was delivered to you and you became, so you were set free from sin and you became slaves of righteousness. That is exactly what pouring the oil and the wine mean. What is pouring the oil and the wine? Wine stands for the antiseptic. All scripture is God breathed and it is profitable for Doctrine for reproof. Reproof means it burns. If you take antiseptic, does it burn? Does it not burn? Absolutely it burns. But thank God it burns. That is how it healing comes into our lives. For profitable, for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness so that a man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work lacking nothing. That is the reason why we are being taught. Not because the teaching has the power. You see, the word of God, the living word of God has got the ability. If you really believe it and accept that faith, it has got the ability to work in your life because you believe. It will be, it brings power of God into your life because you believe. The power of God, that's a tremendous thing about the word of God. You come and be, you sit under anointed teaching, it just transform your life without even you re- realizing and recognizing the fact. It's a, it's an organic process that happens just simply by coming under teaching. And then second it says, let's go back to second Timothy chapter 3 verse 10. 10, 10. Doctrine, my manner of life or conduct is life. See, it's not manner of life first. It is doctrine first. Doctrine inspires life. As faith without works is dead, so is, sorry, as a body without a spirit is dead, so is faith without Works. That's a spirit. There's a life which, which, which is encouraged, which is exalted, which is empowered by our doctrine. A doctrine inspires a life. And he says, follow my doctrine, my manner of life, my purpose. Wow! People, do we have purpose? That's exactly what Pastor, Pastor was talking about. People, if we really, really think that we have purpose, even this epidemic, if it comes, that the purposes of God will be established in our life. It will be only for the, ex- for the advancement of God's purposes in our life. That through this epidemic and pandemic, we can shut in us, shut in us, shut ourselves in with God, and we can renew our mind, and we can recognize and, ch- and know our purpose. And so many people who do not even know believers don't know their purpose. They're still wandering, wandering in, in I don't know what. You know what is sin? Missing the mark. Lot of believers 
they are not living unrighteous lives. They are possibly running, living righteous lives, but there is no aim in their lives. Their life is sin. You know why? Because it is missing the mark. God's mark for them. There is no purpose. Purpose. And then faith. You have seen my faith. You see, that is the reason why we need people who are, we need to follow people of faith. And you know what? There is always a minority. There is always a minority. Out of the 600,000 men who were ready for battle who came out of Israel, only one person had faith and two people had the faith to follow the guy who had faith. Faith is always a minority. For all of us, we need to understand people. Long-suffering. And only one thing you can do is, how do you learn long-suffering? By suffering long. That is the reason why long hours of teaching. Why? We are teaching us to long suffer. Long suffer. Kya baat hai? <laughs> Lamba suffer. Long suffer. <laughs> and long obedience in a single direction. That is purpose. You have a purpose in life. You know the direction where you are supposed to go in, go in. You might be making a lot of mistakes or on the path. But that is your focus. And that cannot be moved. You know what, you're, what is happening? God is allowing situations to distract you, but He's also aligning you back into that path. I know it's painful, but you do not know the end of it. There's something else, the crown of righteousness waiting for us. It says steadfastness. Second Corinthians, Second Thessalonians chapter three. <sighs> Let me tell you the exact verse, Sam. One of my favorite verses in the Bible. Chapter 3 verse 5. Chapter 3 verse 5. Second Timothy chapter 3 verse 5. Now may the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the patience. Other translation, steadfastness in Christ. You know why long suffering is important? Because character is being built. You know, tribulation works patience, patience, perseverance, perseverance, proven character, proven character. Hope and hope does not disappoint. For the love of God has been shared abroad. And what is the hope of our glory? Christ in us in the hope of glory. The character of Christ, which is, that is I, I like that old proverb that we, we, we used, my parents used to say, you know, if, uh, if health is lost, something is, if wealth is lost, nothing is lost. If health is lost, something is lost. If character is lost, everything is lost. And if the character of Christ is not formed in you, what is your hope? Christ in you, the hope of glory. Long suffering. Let's go back. Then, second, oh yeah, long-suffering, love, perseverance. You know something about Paul? This guy, if he had his mind on something, you cannot change him. I pay Okay. Okay. That's khase varikinka. He's full of khasi. For people who don't understand that language, uh, it means like he, he is like bent upon it to achieve that. No matter what, he will he will achieve it. He will persevere till he finds it. You know, most of the Jewish people are like that actually. Albert Einstein, you know what he said? That's, that's the definition of a genius. 99% pers- perspiration, 1% inspiration. That is genius. Otherwise, an unrewarded genius is almost a proverb. For those of you who got it. Perseverance. Because people, a lot of people are very intelligent, smart. But they are not genius. 
in a way because it cannot focus on something for long, long periods of time. And that is one of the things which we teach in our school. Boy, sit in that place and work. Oh, you're, I know everything. Ah, I know. I know that you know everything. I can grasp things very fast. I know that also. But you can also forget things also very fast. <laughs> in a way, because you don't have the perseverance. Let's move on. Then, you know what he says? Verse 11. Persecutions. Afflictions which happened to me in Antioch, in Iconium, in Lystra. What persecutions and I endured and out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yes, all who desire to live godly life in Christ Jesus will enjoy. No? Will suffer persecution. See, that is what we pursue. We understand what is happening in this world. We understand it is a parable which is teaching all of us a deeper truth. A deeper truth that we are all lovers of self. That we are all lovers of, 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 of money. Because we like autonomy. We are lovers of pleasure than lovers of God. And between un- ingratitude, disobedience to parents is a result of all this. Unthankful. Why are people unthankful? Because they are lovers of self. Because they think that people exist to serve them. You see? All these things. What is happening? Perilous times have come simply because God is showing something deeper inside of our heart. What will we do today? Do today. Like God said, you know what? I've led you through the wilderness. I've suffered you to hunger. I've to show you what is in your heart. So first thing, what happens after they have this incredible victory in, 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 uh, in the Red Sea, three days journey, there's no water. What has happened? What is God exposing? Bitterness. Look at the bitterness in your heart. Unforgiving spirit is there. That is the reason why three days I allowed you to thirst. The physical, uh, what is the suffering, to show you a deeper spiritual truth of your own self. Bitterness. Second, they caused him to hunger. Right? Caused him to hunger. What what, what did God say? Caused you to hunger and that, that place was called Masa and Meriba. You know what Masa and Meriba means? Argument, contention. I wanted to show you your argumentative spirit and your contentious attitude. That you will never submit. And therefore I cause you to hunger. A physical suffering to show you a deeper spiritual truth inside of your heart. A deeper spiritual condition of yourself. To show you the reality of your heart. And God is allowing all this to show the reality of our heart. Whether we will spend time with God and say, Lord, this time I want to really enjoy your presence. I want to really know what it is to seek God. The pleasure. To have the pleasure of seeking you. That I will, when I am afflicting myself and humbling myself with fasting and prayer, I really actually enjoy your presence. You know, there's a direct, always I experience a direct correlation between your stomach and, the, uh, and your revelation. If your stomach is full, your revelation is empty. <laughs> stomach is full, revelation empty. <laughs> okay? Stomach is empty, revelation full. It's amazing. What a tremendous direct, it's an inverse relationship, by the way. Inverse proportionality. All mathematics, no? <laughs> what equations we have? Well, I mean, like for 40 years non-stop I've been eating. So it is good for me to sometimes, uh, to 40 plus years non-stop eating only, no? God says, maybe this is the time for you to fast and seek his face. And let the Lord impress this word upon your heart. Pastor, can you just end? There's a mic, there's a mic.
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Pastor Vijay. And all those who are watching online, we will be back at 7.30 in the evening. Okay, we'll have the evening session. And uh, honestly, I pray to God by the time this quarantine is over, the church will emerge really, really stronger because actually only the church knows how to spend time. No, others waste time. We redeem time. And God has called us to redeem time for the days are evil. And the system has worked it out perfectly. God is over the system and has allowed us to be quarantined, stay in your home, spend time with God, and fast. Let fasting also be at least one meal a day fast. It becomes a discipline. One of the good things about fasting as a lifestyle is your stomach actually shrinks. So how much you eat is uh, over a period of time, you don't eat too much. And that's also a contribution to the poverty in the world. What you don't eat, others get to eat. No? Let the church be known for this. Okay, I think if you have a stomach that can handle food in eternity, God will allow you to eat till it comes from your nostrils. He says, eat. You fasted during your life on earth. Now eat to your heart's content here. Nobody will be sick. Nobody will be obese. You will have no sickness there. No, so don't worry about pleasures ever more in his right hand side. I don't know what it is. Okay, we don't even know what it is. So make use of your this time. Everybody, GTC, I'm honestly looking forward to April. Like when we come through this phase, we come out spiritually cleaner, spiritually stronger spiritually more connected and spiritually more prepared for the next year of the church. By the time this virus is over, I believe it will be April, May, when it is contained. And when June, we begin our new year as a church. Okay, We would have truly risen and started building. Okay, so... As we close, please once again, we come back, uh, no, we'll be here anyway, but we come back online by 7.30 and uh, we will do it every day. If the system, I mean, we don't know how the curfew will go on, but we are here and we will try to, to be with you online, encourage you and around the world who are watching. The word, be prepared. And now let me tell you, if you are not part of GTC and you are logging in and watching, you may find the word very, very difficult. Very, especially Pastor Vijay's word, very, very difficult because you wouldn't even know these many scriptures are there in the Bible. You know, people are not familiar with their Bible. I'm talking about Christians. Sadly, they are not familiar with the Bible and Pastor Vijay, that's why I don't even let him preach at the pastor's conference because I know the pastors won't understand him. Honestly, I know they don't know their scripture. People do not, people do not know their God. And one thing of God which you and I have on earth is His Word. And people are trying to know God outside of the Word. His revelation of Himself is there in the Word. That's not the full revelation. That will be in eternity. But what we need to know in this life is contained in those pages of the Bible. And sadly, we are a generation who do not know their Word. Okay, and uh, you make use of this time at home also to read. Okay, I'm not saying that you should become a teacher of the word, 
But when we teach you, at least the scripture should be familiar. Now God has put teachers in the body of Christ to teach. But everyone should be a student and few teachers. But students should know their textbook. Like if you go to school and you never read your textbook, whatever subject is, when the teacher comes and teaches, you struggle to understand because you don't know your text. So Christians should know your text. That is your Bible. Know your text. And then when you know your text, and when we as teachers come and teach, and I difference between me and Pastor Vijay is I try to make it very, very simple because unlike him, when I as a teacher in the world began, I began at school. He began with engineering graduates. So God humbled him and gave him GTLC. That is kindergarten. Okay? Because the kingdom of God is filled with everything from kindergarten to PhDs. Okay? And we should be able to ultimately teach everybody. Okay, but when we come into the body of Christ and we teach, at a time like this, you cannot give milk. Because milk will not sustain you through a pandemic. You need meat. So make use of these 10 days, 12 days, 14 days, 2, 1, whatever it is, to know your, know your word. So that you will know your God better. God better. Okay? Because... Don't look for it because otherwise you'll get deceived by a revelation of your God who is outside the word, which does not happen. And one of the dangers of Pentecostalism is lives of people are not built on the word, but built on prophecies of man and experiences of man. People will come and talk about all kind of experiences and prophecies. Much of it is in their flesh. Okay, I don't deny Pentecostalism because I am one. But much of it is outside the word. And people get so confused. And at a time like this, what happens in huge, big, mainline milk Pentecostal churches is, they're not looking for the word. They're looking for a prophecy to go come through. They're not sustained by the word. It's sustained by the prophecies of man. And we are sustained by the word of God. And the prophecy should confirm the word of God. So as we close, let's pray once again. Father, we just come to you this afternoon, morning. We thank you for this day. Thank you for you gave us this place, this time, this opportunity. Thank you, the sound system, the video, everything is working well today. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Thank you. I surrender all those who are watching and who will watch and hear in the days to come. Commit them all into thy hands, O Lord. I pray as we minister every day, it will cause a hunger in them. A hunger that is different. Not a hunger for the world, but a hunger for the word. A hunger for the God of this word. A hunger for you, Lord. It will cause a hunger. True spiritual hunger. In everybody's life, everybody's heart. So that we would open our mouths wide and you said you would fill it us with good things. That you yourself will satisfy our hunger. Because when you cause the people to hunger, they hungered for many things. But you gave them only manna. That when they complained and you gave them meat, they died with meat in their mouth. 
that those who ate manna, scripture says there was none weak among them, or ill among them, or feeble among them. When angels fed Elijah, he walked for 40 days. Two meals and 40 days. This pandemic may last 40 days. But we are fed on your word. We will walk. And we will not walk down. We will walk up. We will not go down. We will go up to meet our God. And we will hear from him. And when we leave from him, we will leave with the renewed purpose. When Elijah departed from the presence of God from Mount Horeb, he had purpose clear for the next 10 or 12 years. And he raised up another leader and another generation who would know God. And I pray, Lord, and this is over, a church should arise. Renewed strength, renewed purpose, Absolute clarity in their mind. 2020 vision. The purpose of God. Would define the lives of people. That they would know. What they are called to do. Each one. Would take their place. God appointed place. In the body of Christ. Thank you. Thank you father. Be with us. Through this day. Through this day, Lord, we need you more than ever before. And we confess, without you, we are nothing and we cannot do anything. But through Christ Jesus, we can do all things. All things that you require us to do, we can do in Christ Jesus, Lord. So we just thank you, we just praise you, we just worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us. Amen and amen. God bless you. We are back at 7.30.